always talk about Psalm 23 because it really is a psalm. Psalm 23 is for living. So the first one in your refrigerator is he will never leave you or forsake you. The second one is under Psalms 23. And I'm going to read just a few of these verses here because the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down. Women, when you're doing too much, EMT, grandmother, raising children, all these things going on, sister, grandma, grandmother, all these things I could just call out for you. Sometimes God says, I need to lay you down because if I let you go on, you're never going to rest. There's something about us. We have, we, I joked about saying Wonder Woman, Bionic Woman, Catwoman, and Shira because somehow in our disposition, our makeup, we think that we can do it all. And we cannot. Christ can. Daddy, Christ can. But not us. But sometimes when you got the cape on, you got the bracelets, and you got things rolling, you think, I can, I can take care of this. And then when it gets overwhelming and you can't, the bionic ear is not working. Everything is not working like you thought. You gotta go back to, he will never leave me or forsake me. And sometimes God's gonna tell me to lay down in green pasture because he's gonna handle it. It says here, he leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. We sang that, I mean, said, we sang the song, Created Me a Clean Heart, Psalm 51. But his restoring our soul is to come back to him and say, forgive me, I messed up. I forgot that you were the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. I forgot that I'm not Wonder Woman, Bionic Woman, Catwoman, and Shira. It's you, God. You're all powerful. You are the great I am that I am. Not me. As smart as each and every one of us are and beautiful. And that's the thing. When Satan punches you in your face, which really is in your mind, he has all of this free rent in your mind criticizing you. And when you can't succeed or you can't overcome that, that tragedy, that trauma, that issue, oh, I'm a failure. I'm really not Wonder Woman. I really don't deserve the cape. You never deserve the cape. Ladies, you really never deserve the cape. Linda Carter is a fictional character. She's gone through menopause like some of us have. She is just fictional. And Shira, too, I hate the title. But, <laughs> yes, burst the bubble. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will feel no evil. Nancy shared with you that I lost William, my husband, in 2021. 20, Walking through the valley is not easy. And things that you go through in the valley are difficult. And I want you to hear that because I'm going to introduce you to a sister that you think you know but I don't think you know her. Because when we hear about her, she's categorized by what everybody knows of her, but they don't know her. And we always say a certain woman with the issue of blood, but for today's talk, her name, her first name will be certain. So I'll reference our sister certain because I don't want you to see her as the woman with the issue of blood, because she's more than that. She's gone through a heck of a lot. And when we hear these scriptures, even as women, we're like, oh yeah, she's sick. Jesus healed her. Great. I'll have faith. When you're going through, oh, that's Nancy. She's got that. Oh, that's Cynthia. She's got that going on. I prayed for her last year. We're fine. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. I was a widow in 2021. First couple of months, people talk on you, check on you. What about now? 
I'm just magically supposed to be all better. And because I'm on camera, I'm all better. The hurt doesn't hurt anymore because it's been less than two years. I'm all better. Patty, are we all better? No, babe. But people know you're, oh, she's the widow. Oh, she's the former pastor's wife. Oh, she's fine. Do you see, she got makeup and hair. Oh, she's, that's not people's story. But you as sisters have to, you look beyond things for your children. When they have a boo-boo, but then you didn't just say, oh, go on. Mama kiss it later. Oh, wasn't, didn't you get a boo-boo last week? You know what to go do, go do it. No, you took time with your children and made sure they were okay, made sure the womb was clean, made sure it was over there, and you gave them a kiss, and you gave them a hug, and then later on, you got, how's your little knee doing? Mommy, are you still needing a Band-Aid? Then the next week, you'll check to see if there's a scab, and then it'll be all gone, and you say, see? It is better, isn't it? Thanks, Mom, I love you for checking on me. I knew you would. In the next boo-boo, you're gonna treat it the same way, or you're gonna say, come on over there. You know what to do. That's not what we do, but for grown women, we'll figure it out, won't we? She grown. That's what my daughter always says about her older sister. Mom, leave her alone, she grown. I said, yeah, she's grown, but she still needs some inside wisdom from somebody who's double her age almost. So for those of you who have the ability to look at Mark, I'm gonna read and talk to you about our sister certain because it's important for you to get to use the Bible and the Gospels in the way because one writer the Holy Spirit will let them see one vantage point another writer will see another vantage point so even though you will see in Luke the story of our sister certain I'm going to talk to you out of the context of what Mark talks about certain now in verse 25 of Mark 5, Mark 5, verse 25 through 34, I'm reading out of the King James Version. And a certain woman which had an issue of blood. Now, I have teenagers here. I have daughters, you are women. You know that when a young girl starts her menstruation, we talk to her about what it's gonna mean, what it means for having children, what it's gonna mean for something coming out of your body that they've never had before. I know as having girls myself, and being a girl, I'm gonna talk for myself and not for my daughter so they don't squeal and act crazy. Mom, why don't you tell my business? I'm talking about my business, not anybody in my family who will listen to this video later. I was very uncomfortable with the whole process of the blood flow because I had had accidents. I was a cheerleader, jumping up in the air with legs open and being on my menstruation and praying to God that nothing leaked. And yes, I had never used uh, the apparatus that goes in versus the padded solution, you know? So I was terrified of doing that wrong, but still God, please don't let anything happen where something. So there's an embarrassment. And if you ever have the situation in that situation where something does show and you have to have that friend or that boy, hey, what's going on with you? You never want to have that time of the month and you don't put something around here and cover just in case, God forbid, you are showing. Or you get in a chair and it happens. Blood is embarrassing. It can be. It's, it's a natural function we all have to go through. But there's an odor to it. You know, we hear blood and we're like, oh yeah, she had an issue of blood. But blood is mushy, mushy, and there's discomfort with it. They don't talk about the cramps that many of us have. And you're women, so you know what I'm talking about. Clotting is not fun. 
Flow is not fun. Duration is not fun. Heavy versus not. And guess what? They didn't have pampering in a leave, in hot water bottles, in all the stuff that we got now. They got whatever they had, and they didn't have all these different products to help them with it. Now, that's a young girl. What about us older women? When you go through pre-menopause and menopause and things change, estrogen levels change and, and all this stuff, it's not fun. And plus, it's not regulated. At least with the younger girls, it comes and it goes. If you're in the pre-menopause, you don't know when that thing is coming and you don't know how long it's going to last. And then sometimes you get a hot flash and a cold flash. All this stuff is happening. And your body changes and you don't have as much estrogen, so your hair starts changing everywhere. <laughs> and there's things that you go through. But nobody talks about anemia. If you lose a lot of blood, has anybody ever been anemic in this room? Ever been anemic? You're tired and fatigued and things are just not working right because your body is supposed to have a certain amount of blood to work. But yet you're still expected to do everything you're doing when you're fully loaded with your body and all these fluids. And it's hard when you're anemic. And again, there's no iron supplements, there's no going and getting some blood transfusions. There's nothing back in this time. So certain is going through, but she's not going through a menstrual flow month after month, every 21 day cycle, or she's not going through maybe a one or two year period from perimenopausal to full menopause. It says here, and a certain woman which had an issue of blood 12 years. We say that number, 12 years. We're pregnant for a nine and 10 month of cycle. Two years of something going on with our bodies bleeding, but they figure out what it is and take the medication. 12 years. But yeah, we're here reading the Bible. Oh, she had it for 12 years. Oh yeah, God healed her. Y'all understand what that woman was going through? Certain was going through a lot. And I don't know if you know about Hebrew custom, but Hebrew custom doesn't allow women who are unclean to really be out shopping in the marketplace. And it doesn't say anything about a man, woman, or child, but you don't have a lot of sex when, sorry girls, you don't have a lot of sex when you're bleeding. <laughs> so intimacy, it's kind of off the table, especially in that time. So she's not having a physical relationship of intimacy with someone, doesn't say she's married or not, but it's kind of off the table. We don't know how old she is, but it says she's a woman, doesn't say she's a girl. So she's a woman and she's bleeding, but that's not the end of her story. It says certain is going through that she suffered many things. Ridicule, uh, isolation, smelling constantly of blood. You know, that, that's the one thing that I can remember as a young girl, I was so glad it was over. And even with my young girls, I could tell when theirs was there because they, you know, had the smell in the bathroom. It's like, God, would you please just change the trash can already? There's a smell of blood. 12 years, her house, her clothing, everything about her had to be about this plague, this sickness, this illness. And some of you are going through things now, and you say, it's been a long time and I'm tired. And you can imagine 12 years, she was tired. But always say, oh, she's just a woman issue of blood. 
Oh, that's just Helen. Oh, that's just, oh, you know, they got that going. Oh, they got this. Where you see, oh, she's not in. She's not. You know, they're really going through. It sounds real spiritual and churchy. Oh, they just lost their farm. Oh, they really had a problem with COVID. Oh, did you know what happened during the pandemic? Her and her husband broke up. It's easy to say stuff like that and not really be in the heart of understanding somebody's going through some pain and suffering. And you can talk a big game about, I love Christ and I really want to be compassionate. I want to have the spirit of encouragement and stuff, but she's suffering many things, but here's who she's suffering from. Physicians, people that are supposed to be in the know of healing and medication, but it didn't just say physician, like many of us had one primary care. But if you've ever gone, my husband was sick, and you go to one doctor, he sees one blood report, so I need to refer you to this specialist, and this specialist is only specialized in this, and oh, I see something, I need you to go to this, and specialist after specialist after specialist, and you're tired, and you're filling out all the history, and you're just tired, can somebody fix me? Stop sending me from this doctor to the other doctor to the other doctor, but certain had to do that because she was sick of the blood, and how was she gonna get better? She had to go to the sources, and the sources were the doctors. But it says she went to many physicians, and here's the kicker, lady Katie. She spent all that she had, she's broke. She's sick, hurting, smelling, isolated, not being intimate with a man in a relationship possibly. Now she's taking all the time and the energy she can to go to the doctors and then they took all of her money. So what does she do for money? Can't go out to work. She's unclean. So she has no money. It says here, she had spent all that she had. Now here is something. And she was nothing bettered. EMT, nothing bettered is not good. You go in the hospital and nothing better. But here's the kicker. It's one thing to be nothing better, but as the scripture says, but rather grew worse. If I was a custom woman, I said, who in the H would want to spend all their money to go to see every kind of doctor and then find out that you are not better, but you're worse? Hello, I'm worse. How can I get any worse? I'm sicker, I'm broke. I'm isolated, I'm flowing with blood, I'm going through this plague. Oh, but she's just the woman with the issue of blood. This, this, you know, hey, I'm gonna preach about the woman with the issue of blood. As though it's, that's just something I'm just gonna say. And I don't fault men, because it's in the scripture, but if you don't take the time to slow down, that was the best wisdom William Helm gave to me when he met me. He said, you're a good reader of the Bible, but you, need to slow down. Because we roll back by these scriptures so fast and never contemplate why the Holy Spirit put them in there in the first place. And when you're going through, you think nobody else understands. Certain would understand. Certain would understand you and feel and sympathize and empathize and understand everything that you're not saying out loud. And makeup and hair and outfits and stuff are covering up. That's what it's called, make up, because it's not real. Make up. Now here it says here, she grew worse. But this is the key. What's ahead? Who's ahead? When she heard of Jesus, 
She had to hear that he's in her vicinity. Somebody had to say what Jesus was about. They're not saying he's the carpenter's son. She's not going out being anemic and tired and bleeding to go see a carpenter. But she's heard something that he's been compassionate enough that he's healing people, that he's causing people who have been blind for years, who have been paralyzed for years. You know, we hear the 38-year paraplegic or whatever he was, and he healed him. And he usually asked, do you want to be made whole? Well, she'd heard enough to make this decision. And here's the things you have to learn about, ladies. You can stay where you are in your thinking, in your physical disabilities, mental, emotional disabilities. Stay where you are. Just say, I'm broke, I'm sick, I'm worse than sick. But she had to make a decision. She wanted to look for what's ahead. That's why I often say when I talk, you cannot let your past paralyze your future. She could have said, 12 years, I'm done, I'm done. But she heard about Jesus. And that's the thing that you'd have to have on your lips sometime when people are telling you their sad stories, their depressed stories, their I can't stories. You can't just say, oh, I cannot do all things with Jesus Christ. It's easy to throw out scriptures because the word does say it will not return void. But you have to personalize that. She's going to have a personal testimony after this. She has an encounter with what's ahead, which is Christ. She's not going to just say, oh, I heard about him. She's going to say, you know, he saw me. And there are a lot of you that people see you, but they don't see you. But the Lord sees you. He sees what nobody else sees. He sees your thinking. He sees your emotions. She, he sees what's bothering you down in the core of your fiber. And that's the thing. Certain is at a place where she has to make a decision of her life. Does she keep her status quo and be in a hopeless situation? Because that's what, you know, read between the lines. It's pretty hopeless. It's pretty sad. It's pretty depressing. She said, when she had heard of Jesus, came in. Now that big space between the comma of heard and came in her frailness, in her bleeding, in her brokenness, in her brokenness, she came in behind the press. Now, you all who've had anemia, a crowd of people is heat. It's a lot of energy. They are fully strength. They want to get them too because they got what their needs are. But she's got to take her frailness, physically go to him, and there's a bunch of people, she's gotta get to him. And all she's thinking, I gotta get to him. He's my hope. He's the person I'm putting all my confidence in. But it's all these other people. She's gotta take every fiber of her being to get to Jesus. What's ahead is him, her wholeness, her salvation, her help, her mental stability, because this has gotta be overwhelming. And she takes all of it and says, she came in the press behind. And it says, touched his garment. There's a song that says, touched the hem of his garment. That she found herself touching Christ's garment. And here's what happens. For she said, internally, 
she had some fortitude to say. She said, she didn't say to, hey, I'm going to put it on the microphone. Hey, guys, I'm saying this in herself. And that's why in the morning when you go to the refrigerator, there's some things you got to say to yourself. Your husband, your brother, your father, your mother, all these people in your life, they can say stuff to you, but you got to say stuff to that first person. Because that first person has got some garbage in here. Satan is filling it with garbage because he's trying to seek, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, you know, seek and destroy you. And that mental thing is where he does it. But she said, if I may touch but it's closed. She didn't say, I'm going to have this dialogue. I'm going to have him touch me. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go ask permission. If I just touch his clothes, I shall be whole. And straightway, which means immediately, and straightway, the fountain of her blood was dried up. I would dance for y'all, but I got to save it for this afternoon. The fountain of her blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of that plague. But here's our Christ. Christ has the ability to be Christ and keep on walking because, you know, he, he can do that. He can do the wonderful Mashira and all that. He can keep on going. But he stops because he's all-knowing. And he's all deity, even though he has flesh. And he says, virtue, power has left me. And he turns and he asks, who touched me? And his disciples get an attitude. Why would you ask us? You see this crowd, why would you ask us? That's us. That's us in the flesh. We tired, we walking. It's a lot of people, it's hot. We ain't got time to be asking who touched you. Everybody's trying to touch you but not Christ. He needs to have a connection because someone has made hole in their body, but there's a hole in their soul. There's a connection. You can get your healing, but if you need the healer. And he didn't just want her to get the healing. He wanted her to be fully whole, not just plague. He wanted her to go in peace, but the peace had to be with him. And some of us, we can have all of the riches of this land, the American dream, right? But if you don't have Christ, you're going to look inside you. You're going to look really off. And I want to say awful. It's awful not to have Christ. And you're not taking any U-Hauls with you with all the assets that we're all American dreaming about. It says here, and Jesus immediately knowing in himself that the virtue had gone out of him, turned about the press and said, who touched my clothes. And his disciples said unto him, Thou seest the multitudes thronging thee, and sayest thou, Who touches me? He didn't care about that. He didn't listen to him. And he looked round. Now I want y'all to have this appreciation about something you're about to hear about certain. She's isolated and been isolated for a while. Heard about Jesus. But what do you think she's thinking when he looks at her? A lot of people have been looking at her over 12 years, the doctors, the people in her life, or she's not even been with people very much because of the blood flow. But what is she thinking about what this man, this maybe the son of God, maybe this prophet, that maybe all these things that people are talking about, he's doing supernatural things. When he looks at her and sees her, 
Why would you think they were getting ready to hear she would be fearful and trembling? Will he reject her? Will he take the healing back? Will he be angry with her that she didn't have permission? What do you think Certain is thinking? She's frail and fragile, but she's just been made whole of this plague. So she's afraid of Jesus. And there are people afraid of Jesus, even to this day, that Jesus can't handle your sorrow. He can't handle your doubts. He can't handle the things that you are not, not sure about, questioning even about your relationship with him. How deep can he really go? How wonderful can he be knowing who I am, what I've gone through? The sin that I've done, the sin that I still think to do, how deep will he see into me and he still love me? He still give me the healing that I need. We don't appreciate why she was fearful. We don't appreciate why some of us are fearful. Here it says, and he looked round about to see her that had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told her all the truth, all of her truth, everything from her guts that she'd been going through, that she had been afraid of, that she'd been sick of, tired of, that she had been feeling like she is so forgotten unimportant, why me? The horror of 12 years of a plague with your own body turning against you. But this is our Christ. He says, and he said unto her, daughter, the most tender thing that I see out of Mark, Luke, and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is that I, I had you all as mothers and grandmothers stand up with your daughters and your granddaughters, but that the Father Almighty, Jesus himself, because they're three in one, would look at this woman certain and say, you're my family, daughter, not woman, not sick woman, healed woman, daughter. You're my child, the booby, the boo-boo. I healed it all. I made you whole because you're my family and we're connected. Daughter, thy faith hath made thee whole. Go in peace. He is peace. They're connected. They're family. And be whole of the plague. Now, what's ahead for certain is Christ. Now go to Luke. Go to Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start at that beginning of 40. Certain is a woman, and Jairus is a man. Surprise. Many of the men in your life, husbands, sons, brothers, fathers, if they're still alive, they have a great responsibility in this life. And, and we as women, we know that we're told from the beginning of Genesis we're to be their helpmates or we're to be their mothers or their sisters and really be a loving support for them. But here we have a man who is an official, a local official in the synagogue. So he's got a position of authority. He has a family, a wife, and a 12-year-old only child, daughter. Now, at the beginning of the story in chapter 8, 
Jairus is coming to Jesus. But I want you to understand, it was a leap of faith. I don't know, I just went through hospice. I, don't, I know, Patty, you may have gone through hospice and other widows may have gone through hospice where your person who you love and who you affectionately have been with for a long time is getting ready to transition. Jairus had to make the decision to leave his only daughter, a 12-year-old child. I don't know if you all have had only children, only daughter, not that you have five others. The only daughter is dying and could die any second. He has to take a leap of faith to say he's heard about Jesus because he's in the synagogue, he's seeing, he's hearing. And he has to trust, I'm gonna go get him. She's not in hospice care at the hospital, she's at the house and she's dying and she's been dying but now she's close. I gotta go get him. That's a leap of faith because what if he's not in time? He left his wife, the mother of his child, to be there with a dying child. He won't see his child's last breath. There are a lot of people at the house. What are they going to think? But he's got this trust and faith that if he can get Jesus to the house. And some of us have some dying things in our house. Dying relationships. Dying finances. Dying faith. Dying things in your house. And unless you get Jesus to the house, it hasn't changed. You can keep hoping, keep praying for sure, but you gotta get Jesus in the house with the dead things. Now here it says here, when Jesus returned in verse 40 of chapter eight of Luke, when Jesus returned to the other side of the lake, the people welcomed him because they had all been waiting for him. Then a man named Jairus arrived. He was an official in the local synagogue. He threw himself down at Jesus' feet. Do you understand what a man is that afraid, broken, at his wit's end, overwhelmed? Some of you, if you have a close enough relationship with your spouses, you'll actually see when they're hurt, and they'll share those tears with you. But he's sharing it to somebody in a crowd of people. A man crying, going on his knees and begging in front of other men, in front of a crowd. Do you understand that takes a lot? He's at a place, he doesn't care who sees it. He don't care what they think. He just knows his daughter is dying and this is the person he believes has the power to help her. It says here, he threw himself down at Jesus' feet and begged him to go to his home because his only daughter who was 12 years old was dying. This, last, this next verse says, and Jesus went along. He gets off of his feet, and Jesus went along to go to his house. He thinks, we have a chance. Jesus is coming. We have a chance. The people were crowding him from every side. Among them was a woman. Stop. The whole story of certain has to unfold. When Jesus is with you, Helen and Lynn, he doesn't rush. He spends time. He's walking, walking virtue. He could just keep on going because I get to this dying girl. He stops and talks and sees certain. Hears her whole story of all her truth. 
That's time. Jairus is waiting. It's critical in his mind. We gotta get to my kids. We gotta get to my baby girl. But here Jesus is talking to this woman. And jump over to verse 49. While Jesus was saying this, it's a conversation with certain daughter. Thy faith has made thee whole, go in peace. A messenger came from the official's house. Your daughter has died. Baby girl's dead. You have to let that sink in that a daddy didn't get to say his goodbyes. In his mind, she's gone. I wasn't in time. I wasn't there. My wife was by herself as she died. Can you imagine the emotions that a man is going through? He's broken. He's already shown you he's broken and he's begging. He gets this message and it says, he told Jairus, don't bother the teacher any longer. I want to tell y'all something about that word bother because I think we still have it in this age. We think going to the Lord is a bother. We think praying in the Holy Spirit, as we talked about from Jude 1.20, is a bother. None of us is a bother to Christ. None of us are forgotten, inadequate, unimportant, don't matter to Christ. If it was just you on the couch, he would have come. If it was just you in the chair, he would have come because of that love. So when you hear people say, oh, I don't want to be bothered with Christ. I don't want to be bothered with church. I don't want to be bothered with faith. I don't want to be bothered with religion. It's not a religion. It's a relationship. And Christ never calls us a bother, but people will. And this messenger says, don't bother the, the teacher. Come on home and, and deal with the fact that you weren't there. She's dead. But look at what our Christ says. While Jesus was saying this, a messenger came from the official's house. Your daughter has died. He told Jairus, don't bother the teacher any longer. But Jesus heard it and said to Jairus, don't be afraid. What is he afraid of? He's afraid of all the regrets. All the torture of grief that he's lost, the precious little girl. All the looks that he's going to see when he gets back to the house with his dead daughter in the room, seeing her dead body, all of the afraid that you can imagine what you go through when you go through trials, when you go through failures and disappointments. He says here, don't be afraid, only believe. She will be well. Christ and the scriptures are perplexing. Dead and well ENT aren't the same. We had a code. We, we just sent in a code. But all is going to be well. When we get there, she's going to be just fine. We just coded her. Uh-uh. That don't compute. Even Jairus may not have understood. But maybe he had enough faith to say, I'm going to go with this. Because he'd heard that Jesus had resurrected the dead. And Christ said, believe. The only thing I need you to do right now is believe. I don't need you to say anything. I don't need you to do anything. I need you to believe. That's the only thing 
I need you to do Jairus. And in this room, there are times that you're going to go through, even tonight or tomorrow or the next day, that God's going to say, I don't need you to put your hand on a Wonder Woman Jairus. A Wonder Woman Nancy and all of you over. Don't be Wonder Woman. Take your cape, cape off. I need you to believe. I need you to have faith. Not in yourself, because you are playing saviors in this room, that you are not the saviors. Only Christ. His belief of only is in him. It says, only believe and she will be well. When he arrived at the house, now here's something I got to talk to y'all about. I don't know in your church, in your congregation, how many of you have your inner circle of believing women? I don't assume that everybody in this room are believers at the same level of faith, but I would recommend, highly recommend, that if you don't have one or two or three of your sisters that are believing sisters, that know the word of God, who believe in prayer, who believe in love, compassion, that you need to have an inner circle. Christ had an inner circle, and you need an inner circle. We need an inner circle. And my husband, as he was dying, I said, who do you think is going to be here with me for the long term? He told me, and he was right. He knew who my inner circle was and would remain even after he died. And they show themselves up in your, in your situations. And if you find that you don't have anybody, that's something that you need to pray about because you need to reach out and get one and get two and get three. I'm not saying you have to have a lot. Peter, James, and John was Jesus. He at least had three. Just saying. But here it says, when he arrived at the house, he would not let anyone go in with him except Peter, John, and James. And the child's father and mother. Everyone there. Here's the thing too. Inner circle going in with mom and dad. Everyone crying. Everybody's crying, all sad. Been there, doing the hospice of the girl. But they don't all have the same faith. They don't. Everybody crying around you saying, oh, it's such a sad thing I hear about what you're going. That's some of it's talk. Even in Christian houses of God, some of that stuff is just talk. And I can tell you as a former pastor's wife, I can know who the talkers are that are just putting on a show. And those who in the midst of you need a prayer warrior, you know who to go to. And I'll smile and say, hi, sister, you have a great day. Gone about the business. Ain't bit more gonna pay pray for me. Ain't gonna go to God. Ain't gonna be fasting and praying and, and, and seeking God and petitioning God. It's all talk. And these people crying are going to, in a second, mock Jesus, make fun of him. They knew Jairus was going to get him, but now that the girl is dead, he don't know what he's talking about. And they're gonna make fun of him. And some people are gonna make fun of you as you start talking about having faith that your wayward husband, kid, whatever's going on, you may not see. And there was a scripture last night in Jude to talk about snatching people out of the fire. You have to go back and read that. In this case, it says, everyone there was crying and mourning for the child. Jesus said, don't cry. The child is not dead. She's only sleeping. Naturally, they don't believe that. She's dead. She couldn't rear the mortar. She getting, she dead. They all made fun of him. 
Now the crowd that makes fun of you as you're believing and when it actually happens that Jesus does perform, everything ain't a miracle, but when Jesus moves, you don't have to go back and explain yourself to people and he's gonna tell them after he healed and resurrected this child, don't say what happened. Because they see who's going in that they make fun of. They see who comes out and they, the girl is alive. She was dead. So what you got to say? Who was there before, they, before when she's dead? Them. They didn't resurrect her. Who came in and after he leaves, she's alive. So what do you got to say? And some of your situations are dead in your household, in your family life, and when they come back to life and you've been saying that you believe in God, why you got to go into all this explanation, explanation, explanation? Say, Jesus, what more do you need to say? They, they didn't believe you when you were having faith and stepping out in faith, and all of a sudden things are starting to turn around, and now they got all this stuff to say. They weren't believing, so has something changed? But Christ says, don't explain what happened, because if they truly wanted to know, they come to find me. And some of the people in your circles of relationship and influence, nah, God won't talk to you. It says here, but Jesus took her by the hand and called out, get up, child. Her life returned and she got up at once. And Jesus ordered them to give her something to eat. Her parents were astounded. Even when you have faith, you still get surprised when God brings you out. I tell you, I've been there. I was like, my husband had great faith. He did. He would go to the mailbox every day saying, I got a check coming. I said, we ain't got no, I got a check coming. He said, you got to be expecting me to get there. And sure enough, that man be bringing back checks of things. I don't know. Oh, you got to settle the check for this. I was like, what? He said, I got to go to the mailbox expecting. I said, okay. But he had great faith. I was, on the other hand, astounded <laughs> at times when the Lord showed up like he did. But my husband said, nope, distrust God. But here her parents saw the dead child, but they had to be astounded to see her, their little girl. Not just alive, but Jesus ain't gonna make her alive and be sick again. She's alive and she's healthy and whole. But Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone what had happened. Now, what is ahead for you, your faith in Christ? That there are times where you're gonna have to leave a situation that appears dead, to leap out and go and trust God. And you're going to say in your mind, you're going to, I have a scripture that says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. My understanding when I want to leap out in faith tries to do all these things, all these facts, you know, lawyer, in my, I do contract law. I got all these facts of why what I'm saying is really bizarre and why I'm stepping out of faith doesn't make sense because these five things are going on. I got to step like this, I got to step This doesn't make sense. And God has to say, don't trust in your own understanding. And there are things that you're going to have to leap out in faith where Christ is ahead and you're going to say, I'm going to trust you. And I'm going to do even what you saw Jairus do. I'm going to leave a situation to go find Christ where it doesn't make sense. Didn't make sense for certain. It didn't make sense for Jairus. But had they not gone to Christ, certain's 12 years would have been 12 years plus. Possible death. Jairus' leap of faith would have meant death. This child would be dead. Two daughters that are now alive and whole because of Christ would be dead. Or suffering for certain sake and dead for the child's sake. 
So there are things here that we have to remember that he's never going to leave us or forsake us. We're never a bother. He's never working from behind. He's always ahead because he came that we would have life. And that was decided before the foundations of the world. That's why he knows each and every one of us. If you ever read Psalm 139, which is one of my favorite Psalms, before we were in our mother's wombs, mama didn't even know all about you, but God did. Before she and daddy came together, God had already fashioned and known every part of you and your books and your story. So why wouldn't you trust him? I was going to say something about the joke that you said about being purchased, but God has known each and every one of us before we got into any woman's womb and knew the destiny of our lives, knew about today, because I didn't know what you needed. And while I'm in Woodbridge, Virginia at a dryer, getting ready to put a load of clothes in a dryer, I get the entire weekend. Never happened before. But he knew everybody in this room. And he said, I got to tell them something about what's ahead. What's ahead. So that is our first session. It is close to 10 after 11. And what I want you all to do in your groups of Wonder Woman, Bionic Woman, Catwoman, and She-Ra is to get together again and just talk about what you think about, about the teaching, about the scriptures, about what's ahead, and learn from one another. Just talk about it. I can have you talk to me, but I'm going to be gone after tomorrow. You ask Nancy, how's Anita? You look at the videos, yeah, you all need to subscribe to my YouTube channel and all that good stuff. But you all are the family that's going to make your community stronger, your household stronger, everything about your fabric in this influence in this room. And I need you all to start talking about the scriptures, talking about the things that God is training you and bringing you up and building you for. Because sisters is building each other up, but you are the sisters of this, this congregation. We're singing these wonderful songs that they've gotten together, but we should be singing all the time. We should be talking all the time. I'm not saying y'all gonna be at knitting quill and all, I keep saying her knitting, I don't know, you know, those kind of things, but being together, being together and talking to one another and being real with one another. There are so many fake churches, and I apologize for saying that, but that's the truth. It's, it's just so much pretense in the houses of worship, and we have to start influencing these young people, and I'm sensitive to young people. If I could just talk to the people under 25 today, I would say, y'all older women, just sit over there for a while, because I need to reach some of these younger people because they're making decisions, and a lot of them are freaking out about life. These phones and these social media and the things that they're talking about and the people, things that they don't know about, I just want to get them and just talk real to them because what they're seeing in church sometimes is so distant, cold, and they need Jesus. All of us need Jesus. All ages need Jesus. But the young people, Lord, they need Jesus. And we got to start talking real to them and making us look not so put together because we're not put together. If I, if I look put together... It is a nice outfit, so you can say yes. But no, but I'm just telling you, the real, when you see the, what's going to happen the next two sessions, I'm going to strip away all of whatever you think about how put together I was, because I have had some screw-ups, and I'm willing to share that. My time of being embarrassed about it has been over for a while, so I put it out there. So praise the Lord. Let's break up into our teams. You can cut my camera off. Please, thank you. Thank you.